I am joined by Will Kennedy, voice of the Argos, and and Will, uh, about as dominant a defensive performance as you're ever going to see at any level, FCS, FCS, uh, or FBS, FCS, or, or D2, or whatever. I mean, the Argos delivered on the defensive end on Saturday. No, absolutely. So, Drew, I mean, you know, records are meant to be broken, or in this case, tied, and the Argos were able to do some things that, uh, you know, just on paper, you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, six turnovers in the game, but four defensive touchdowns, three pick sixes and a fumble scoop and score. And that, that doesn't happen every day. In fact, that doesn't happen sometimes in the history of a program in a game. And uh, they were able to put it all together defensively against, a, you know, a team and it wouldn't get to obviously come in with, you know, a lot of momentum out of the sack and not necessarily the most high-powered offense, but you know, it's, what's so strange is Wingate scores two touchdowns, and you see on those two drives, albeit they, they book in the game, their first one and their last one, you know, long, sustained drives of 90 yards or more, and, and they were able to get that done. But then it was in between those two where they had all kinds of problems. And this Argo defense, we talked about it last week. I mean, this is a unit that I feel like is getting better each and every week, the depth that they have shown you all season playing three deep at defensive line and linebacker and rotating a lot of guys through the secondary really starting to pay off now that we are, you know, 13 games into the season. How, how exactly have we seen them grow? And I know, as you mentioned, you and I've talked about it as, 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 uh, as soon as last, as early as last week, how have you seen them grow over the course of the season? Most, is it that turnover creation where, you know, not only are they getting stops or bending, but not breaking, but they are forcing turnovers given the offense, great field position to go out there and get quick touchdowns or even generating offense themselves. Yeah, I think it's turnovers. And really, Coach Darian Doolin is the defensive coordinator for this unit. I mean, one of the things that he does is, is they're going to give up some yards in the middle of the field. They're going to try to get stingy around the red zone. And we've seen this team do that as well. Yes, the turnovers and scoring defensive touchdowns just jumps out at you. But they've also had some really good goal line stands, you know, either to hold teams to field goals or to get the ball back. They did that against Wingett. Wingett got down there and they were able to hold them and get the football back down near the goal line. So that they do a nice job of that. And then that other part of that defense is be aggressive, blitz in certain situations, try to force some turnovers, and they've done a really good job of that. And it was a point this season where we were on the negative side of that, that turnover margin, and we flipped that around. And they had three in the first playoff game, three against Delta in the second, and then six this week. So, you know, you're looking at a defense that three playoff games has forced 12 turnovers. And, you know, there was a pick six in the Delta game as well. So, this defense in three playoff games, the defense has scored five touchdowns. And this was the stat that blew my mind as we were doing the broadcast on Saturday. Coming into the football game, Winget had only allowed the most points that they had allowed all season was 24. We were at 24 at halftime as a team, but our defense scored 28 points against Winget. <laughs> yeah. so the UWF defense was, is the highest scoring entity against the Bulldogs this season. Uh, uh, unbelievable game. And, and you mentioned uh... – that stat over the course of the broadcast. What what was your favorite part of the call? Was it an interception? What was it? All of them combined. I mean, was there a certain thing that you'll you'll really hold tight from that game on Saturday? I think three consecutive series to start the second half. The Argos scored defensive touchdown against the Wingate offense, and you know the first you know after Anthony Johnson Jr. 
gets a pick six late, you know, and, and I think this is what you got to step back and look at. It was a 10, seven game with about five minutes left in the first half. And, you know, you're kind of like, okay, this is, you know, this is going to be one of those kind of Saturdays. This is, you know, they're going to, Wayne gets here to fight and, and literally in a lot of ways, you know, helmets are flying <laughs> yeah, off right. people all over the field and penalty flags are, you know, laundry in the air. And, uh, you know, I thought this is going to be one of those games. We get the pick six from Anthony Johnson Jr. And then we score a touchdown, you know, with no time on the clock. Uh, you got a first down and goal after a penalty from the five yard line with 4.9 seconds left. And it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to try it out a field goal here. Or uh, coach Shinnick said, we're going to, we're going to roll it. We're going to go for it. And kind of knew that would be the last play and uh, touchdown pass back of the end zone to Jacoby Quillen from Pee Wee Jarrett. So all of a sudden it's 24, seven at half. And you're thinking, okay, that's the play. Uh, there it is right there. The, the, the touchdown right at the end of the half with no time. That's the play. And then you get those three consecutive defensive scores to start the second half. And it really was kind of a, a building thing, you know, almost like a Russian nesting doll. It's like another one, another one. I think we just kind of, you know, Kyle Shoemaker and I kind of lost our minds on the third one when Cody Lowe comes up with, with the, the pick right at the line of scrimmage and somehow keeps his feet and runs it into the end zone. You're just like, wow, I, you know, you never expect to see that. I've never seen that before in any level of football, any game that I've been involved in to see a defense do what this Argo unit did. Yeah, it was absolutely uh an unbelievable uh, performance to watch. And something that uh, maybe the only thing that went, not necessarily wrong for them, but but Griffin Sarah, and and he didn't really have the yips, but didn't have the greatest day kicking. Is is there any concern about that or going into this game against Ferris State? The coaching staff has the ultimate confidence in their kicker that not only once, twice, uh, but multiple times this year has gotten the GSC uh, Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the misses on Saturday was a 49-yarder, so 50-yarder. So that, you know. And the other one was just he just miskicked it and kind of mishit it. Now, what a lot of people may not realize, and a lot of people do know this story already, is that, you know, Griff Gay, he donated bone marrow. (laughs) And he did that the Monday after the Delta game. And the week leading up to the Delta game, he was having to get shots and go through this process. It's part of a program that the football team at University of West Florida is involved in, which is Be the Match. And for people that know that, you, you, you match up, you know, you have a test done, they swab your mouth and match you up with potential bone marrow and other, you know, medical procedures you could help out with. And Griff got a letter that said, you know, hey, you know, you're a match for this person in Seattle. And even though it was the season, Coach Shank said, hey, you know, we're, we're dedicated to this program. And so Griff did that. He was getting shots mm. in the locker room before the Delta game. Looked like death warmed over him in Cleveland, Mississippi. Did not look good this week and was supposed to take a whole week off with no physical activity between giving the marrow on Monday. Uh, he was a little short of that, obviously, against Wingate. So I don't think he felt all the way, but he wanted to play, wanted to give it a shot. I expect him to be better and stronger you know, this week and starting to get back more to himself. I don't think Coach Shinnick will hesitate, you know, put him out there if, if we need a kick from, you know, 45, 50 yards even. Um, but you're starting to see, you know, obviously Caden uh, Williams – the freshman, the left-footed kicker with his kickoffs, and he's got the big leg too. I, you know, I don't know that it's out of the realm of possibility that you know Caden might take a shot at a 50-plus yarder if Griff's not really physically there yet. But no, I don't think anybody worries about you know Griffin Sarah and his confidence. He just you know he's what he's gone through. It's totally sure. understandable. Speaking with Will Kennedy, voice of the Argos, joining the Sports Drive now. I know from social media, you know you and Brian Lester and some other folks are feeling some type of way that the Argos get the fourth seed in the reseeding and have to go through Ferris State first. And uh, does this maybe create a little bit more motivation for this group? If they need any more, not only do you got to go on the road, but they paired you up against the number one 
seed in the country now in Ferris State, uh, going up to Michigan where it's going to be probably in the 30s. Um, is there any extra motivation from that reseeding for this team? I think, yeah, I think, it, you know, it, it does kind of, uh, you know, you, initially in the moment, obviously we wanted another home game, and especially yeah. after Saturday, 78 degrees at kickoff, or, you know, packed crowd, just really felt good, looked good, you know, felt like, hey, let's do this again next week. Let's bring, you know, Shepard or Mines or somebody here. And everything kind of went our way. We needed, you know, the, the two seeds in the other regions to win, and they all did. And we thought, well, that, you know, it couldn't have played out better. And then to end up being the fourth seed, even though we're ranked above two of the other teams, I don't know what the, the math is and I don't know what the committee's formula is, but you can't worry about that now that, you know, once once that was done, it's done. And um, this is a team that obviously – Nine and zero when they were on the road in their playoff short playoff history, and they've been to Ferris before, and they won a game this same exact round yeah. on a night that was colder and much much nastier than it looks like it's supposed to be on Saturday. It was a, we had the late game back in nineteen, so this one's a noon kickoff Eastern time, so 11, 11 o'clock for us, and uh, it'll it'll be forties it looks like, so it won't, okay. it won't be too bad and. I don't think that'll, you know, the, the weather, and I don't think this team, so people were asking me, oh, Florida, and I said, well, we've done this before. We've gone and played in cold places. And also, our quarterback's from Iowa. We got offensive linemen from Ohio. We got running backs from the Midwest. You know, we've, we've got people that have been in cold weather before, and I, I don't I don't really expect that to phase us. But I do think there is a motivational factor, and I think that comes from the fact that, hey, we've been there a couple times, and we feel like, you know, we're – you know, we're not the odd man out with traditional powers anymore, you know, and maybe we're not getting the consideration that we feel like we're due, but you know, you, you can't worry about that. Now you right. got to yeah, you want to prove them wrong, go and win, you know, go and win two more games and put a second national championship ring on and uh, maybe things change. Will Kennedy joining the sports drive. Now uh, fair state only one loss over the course of the year. They lost during the regular season to grand Valley state, got that revenge. Um, earlier on in, in, in these playoffs to, to, to get where they are now. What did they present that will be the biggest test, if you will, for this Argos offense and for this defense as well? You know, the Argos offense, kind of what they're going to be facing, and it really is a lot of good athletes, but that's not something we don't face week in and week out in the GSC, obviously. Uh, and, and a lot of good defensive linemen. We probably are going to see the best defensive linemen that we've seen all year in Caleb Murphy, this young man, number 12 for Ferris State, who has, uh, of course, this season, last week, went ahead and set a record at the Division II level for sacks in the season. He's got 24 and a half sacks. That breaks Matthew Judon, who plays in the NFL for the Patriots, breaks his D2 record, and he is a force. you got to know where he is, and you got to account for him. And even if you account for him, he still may get to the quarterback, and he still may disrupt some plays. What you're trying to do is limit his impact on the game, you know, and what he can do to kind of unseat your offense a little bit. So expect the Argos to, you know, work their tackles against him. It'll come from the edge, but, you know, throw a tight end over there, chip him with a running back, you know, do some things that are going to try to mix it up. And you trust Coach Pete Sinek and you trust Steve Sonia, the offensive line coach and assistant head coach, to really come up with a good game plan. We we had back in 2019, there was a, a guy from Lenore Ryan who had, Similar stats and, you know, was an NFL prospect and all that kind of stuff at defensive end, and we did a really nice job that day of shutting him down. So that's what you got to look out for. they got a long secondary, got some active linebackers, but they, you know, the flip side of that is they really haven't played an offense like this one. They haven't seen running backs like this three-headed monster, and they really haven't seen a quarterback and receiving core like the Argos. You go to the other side of the football, what Lenore Ryan does, I mean, excuse me, what Ferris does is kind of like Lenore Ryan. The reason I was going to say that is, 
they have a lot of athletes on the offensive side of the football, and it's almost positionless football, Drew. Mm. You got guys that are listed as wide receivers that will get carries at running back, and they'll do some, you know, some sweeps and some reverses and guys in motion, a lot of pre-snap motion. And they have played four quarterbacks over the course of the season, and not because they've had to go into their depth chart because of injury. They just play all these different quarterbacks, and right now they've settled into this combo. they got a running quarterback and a throwing quarterback. The running quarterback can throw a little, and the throwing quarterback can run a little. Um, so that you know, and the, the running quarterback Volker has 25 touchdowns. I mean, he's a beast. 800 yards rushing, 25 touchdowns on the ground. He's their short yardage goal line guy. Uh, they're just they're gonna you know they're gonna come down the field. They can hit a big play if they if you if you kind of lose them and you know lose your eyes as they say as a defensive coach. But if you know they can also grind it and go the length of the field. So it's it's gonna be a challenge. They they definitely do some things that we've seen from some other teams. They just maybe do more of it well. And, well, and obviously at this point of the year, you know, you're you're going to play the the best teams in the country and, and having to beat them to, to get where you want to go is is a requirement. Uh, what, what if there's one thing that you could pick before I get to my final question here for the, that, that has to go well for the Argos to get a win, is it, uh, is it ball security? If there's one thing that has to go correctly for them to win this game, what would that be? And I would say it is the turnover battle. And okay. really, you know, it, it's, it's, I, mean, you could, I, I could say limit big plays. I could say, you know, special teams game, field position. All those things are important. And it, it, both of these teams will do that pretty well. Mm-hmm. One thing I have noticed, I would just say this for folks, is Ferris doesn't punt the ball exceptionally well. A little bit of a rugby style, a shorter average. They're going to kind of kick it on the ground, probably try to keep it away from David Durden. But that, you know, it's interesting because that rugby style occasionally can lead to blocks, but I think it's, it's ball security. And it's just, if you're going to turn the football over, you cannot do it in the wrong part of the field. You know, you can't give Ferris or, or the Argos, you know, you can't give a team like this caliber, a short field. And right now the Argos are feasting off those turnovers. And you got to believe this defense goes into this game of Ferris. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, not to disparage either quarterback or any of the quarterbacks of Ferris arm strength is maybe not their Forte, the ball's up there for a little bit. They got good receivers and physical receivers. I imagine these Argos are looking, thinking, "Hey, we got an opportunity here to try to force some turnovers, interceptions, maybe fumbles." Uh, I think whoever wins that battle is going to have the inside track to win in this game. And uh, both teams have have won pressure games. You know, Ferris wins last week. You know, at the end with a field goal, they've been in some dog fights in this playoffs. I mean, Pittsburgh State had them. You know, Pittsburgh State made a mistake and got a punt blocked early that led to a touchdown, and that probably cost the Gorillas. Uh, you know, went over Ferris in the second round, and Grand Valley was right there and could have won it last week. So I think, you know, these are two teams that aren't afraid of the moment. There are two teams that are going to be good in the fourth quarter. It's just a matter of, you know, who who's going to hang on to the football, and then who's going to take, you know, advantage of the opportunities. If you do get that short hmm. field, if you do get a good punt return or kick return, can you capitalize and put seven on the board? Kickoff set for 11 a.m. Central Time, pregame at 10:30. Final question for you, Will, former Argo. Austin Reed is back in the transfer portal. I don't know if this was a, a big shock. It, it might have seemed that way, especially the success he had at Western Kentucky, but he's in the portal nonetheless. Is there any place that you think he could end up going to? Power 5, or do you think it's a sideways move, or what exactly do you think could be in the cards for Austin, given uh, all the players who are in the portal currently? Yeah, college football has changed, and the portal is now... Uh, I was talking with Coach Schenick about this during the week. I mean, the portal at that level is almost now 
similar to what at one point NFL free agency was and is. Yeah. And, and as crazy as that sounds, that is the case. I mean, NIL money is being used to, to attract players from the portal, and guys are willing to jump, you know, for the right opportunity and the right deal, literally. Um, and I think, you know, with Austin, I mean, when I first – he was here on Saturday. He was at the yeah, game. Yeah, he was. I talked to him a little bit after the game. And uh, his team, you know, Western Kentucky is scheduled to play South Alabama in the New Orleans Bowl Wednesday, December 21st. And from all I hear right now, Austin is still going to play in that bowl game, try to get Western Kentucky a ninth win. I mean, he's, you know, his numbers are second in the nation in yards, second in the nation in touch to passing touchdowns. So when I first heard he's leaving WKU, I thought, he's going pro. <laughs> you know, that, right. that was my first reaction. It's like, wow, he's putting his name in the NFL draft, you know, maybe. And, and the way that works for those who don't know is NFL teams. If you ask, they'll tell you, we think you, you know, we think you'll get drafted and here's where we think you'll get drafted. And I didn't know if maybe based on his season, you know, somebody at the NFL level said, Hey, you know, you might be a second round pick or a third round pick, you know, you know, we like you or these teams like you, that kind of thing. Um, so what, it's not a surprise at all that he's maybe he's going, he gets, this is his sixth season of college football, will be. Uh, started at Southern Illinois, transferred to us, played two seasons, now a season at Western Kentucky. Of course, 2020, we did not play football, so he had, he had that year he kind of sat out. And um, What I'm hearing is that where he is going, and I, I don't imagine it will take too long for the announcement to come, that there is an NIL deal set up for him when he gets there, and it's a, it's a, it's a decent amount of money, so to speak. And it kind of signs, at least initially, uh, and again, this is just, you know, take it for what it's worth. It, it may be Purdue and that there's a connection with Jeff Brom who's the Purdue coach. And Jeff played his college football. He's the same age as me, played his college football at Louisville and played in the NFL for about a decade and was the head coach at Western Kentucky back in 2015 or 16. He's been at Purdue. Maybe is looking at going back to Louisville to be the head coach at Louisville, but that Austin may be connected whichever way Jeff Brom goes. So Austin may be in the Big Ten next year or possibly in the ACC. But I definitely think it's a Power Five move because those are the kind of schools that have the boosters and the sway. Yeah. And that's, you know, if somebody's going to give you that kind of NIL deal, a six figure type deal, they're going to want you to be somewhere where you're on TV every week on a national audience on a bigger stage. And, uh, you know, so I, I would look for it to, be, to happen pretty quickly. But he's, I mean, there's not going to be many quarterbacks in the portal that are going to have more attention and be more attractive than Austin Reed because he can come in for a season, one season, and showing you what he can do and the winner that he is and give you an opportunity to compete for a title. Yeah, I got a lot of friends from my home state of Indiana who'd be excited to hear uh, Austin Reed going to Purdue for for sure, given uh, how Purdue have looked over the last couple of years. He's Will Kennedy, voice of the Argos, and again, pregame set for 10.30, kickoff at 11. Will, uh, have a good call. Safe travels, too, by the way, up there to to Michigan. Try try to stay as warm as you can. I'm sure it'll be all right. Yeah, Digging in the closet, breaking out the winter stuff. We'll fly out <laughs> Friday morning. We'll practice at Grand Valley in the afternoon, and then we'll we'll get it going. It'll be you know pregame show be brunch back here in Pensacola. So we're looking forward to it, and hopefully another Argos win. Fantastic, thanks. We'll I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again here soon. Yeah, thanks, Drew.